Hey, gorgeous people. Welcome back to the James Kennedy Podcast. How have you been? You missed me? I know it's been a while in between episodes again. I'm sorry. I promise my podcast game will be much better really soon. But it's a busy time for me right now, dude. You know, I got a deadline looming for my second book, so I'm racing to finish that and rehearsing several times a week with the mighty James Kennedy and the underdogs as we prepare to grace some stage and bust some eardrums in a town near you. And I'm fighting the law, man, you know, in my ongoing case with the police, which has now been escalated, but I can't say anything about that yet. But you know me, I I certainly will when I can. And as some of you might know, I've been quite unwell for most of this year. For the past six or seven months, I've been in and out of hospital. I've been spending half the week in bed. I've had absolutely everything tested. Um, and it's it's been quite a bizarre and worrying and frustrating time for me because I'm not used to being ill. I was always quite fit and healthy, you know. But whatever this thing is, has trashed my productivity. You know, I'm a guy that used to sleep for four hours and crush it and work around the clock and, you know, hammer five different roles at the same time. That's the pace I used to like operating at, but I just haven't been able to. So now I'm approaching the summertime. I'm miles behind schedule on the book. Um, there's been some hurdles with the band as well that we're, we're making up for lost time with that. And that's why I've been dropping the ball with the weekly podcast episodes as well, which I hate doing. I hate it when there's a disruption in the momentum of the thing. I, you know, I enjoy doing the podcast. I really love having these conversations and sharing them with you guys. And I think having gaps in between episodes just kind of ruins the flow and the momentum of the thing. So I've decided that now we're at episode 50. I think that's a nice round number to park it up in the pit stop just for a few weeks whilst I finish the book, get the band up and run into the point where we get, we're back out there on a the road gigging, which is not going to be very long at all. You know, downsize a few commitments, tick a few things off the fucking to-do list, and then get back on the saddle full throttle. So I know for most professional podcasters listening to this, it'd be like, episode 50, dude, that's lame. <laughs> you only got to 50 before you had to park up. Um, but, you know, fuck you, basically. Yes, that's that's the deal. I'm very proud of the past 50 episodes. I think they're a great archive of some brilliant perspective, knowledge, and insight, and just great conversations with some great minds and some great people. So if you haven't heard all of the other episodes yet, rather than plowing on to the next one, go back and have a listen to some of the previous episodes. There's some really, really good stuff in there, whether it's on the subject of politics, philosophy, the music industry, food, health and nutrition, mental health, climate change, activism, and loads, loads more. So trawl through and have a little look. And there's more than enough there to keep you entertained whilst I get my shit together over the next few weeks. And we'll be back with season two right after the summer. So thank you so much to everyone that's followed the podcast this past year. We've made it into the top five most shared podcasts globally uh, within the first year. And this was something I didn't even think I was going to be doing for more than three episodes. So um, I really appreciate all the love and support. I'm so glad that you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. We will continue doing this thing. Fear not. I've got loads of awesome guests already booked in and confirmed and lined up for season two. So if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please find the James Kennedy podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Give it a follow, give it a subscribe, give it a share, give it a star rating, and uh, we'll be back really, really soon, I promise. But check this out. If you're going to go out, you got to go out with a bang, right? And we have saved a goodie for the final episode of season one. We are going out with a bang. We are going out with a fucking explosion and fireworks, baby, because we are joined today by the one and only, the mighty the unstoppable and the awesome Marina Perkis. That's right, political commentator, podcaster, bringer of truth bombs and destroyer of corrupt, lying, hypocritical bastards everywhere. Marina, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited for what's probably going to unfold during the conversation today. How are you doing? That was such a lovely intro. I'm all the better for it. Thank you, James. <laughs> no props at all. And no word of a lie, neither, dude. I mean, before we jump in then, right, um, just a little check in. You know, how are you personally? What's been going on with you? How are you doing? Me personally, I am, oh God, it's actually really dull. My personal life is very dull. I am on maternity leave at the moment with my second baby. I've got an eight month old, a two and a half year old. I go back to work full time in September. So I'm basically just using this time in between sort of nappy changes and stuff to try and uh, hold the government to account. (laughs) I should do, do, yeah. (laughs) Well, as I said before, we started recording here. I have never had so many excited and positive comments as when I posted online that you were coming on the show. So there's clearly a lot of love for you out there, man, and what you do. And I think that is mirrored in your social media presence, which is absolutely fucking insane, dude. You're crushing it. Yeah, it's actually getting to a little bit of a scary place now because I have to I have to really think before I hit the send button. <laughs> and I used to be quite happy, you know, having a few drinks and then crafting yep. something and then yep. hitting the, the tweet button. And actually, I just, no, I can't do that now because I get pylons quite frequently, especially given um, Elon Musk's new algorithm. Because, you know, now we're fed stuff that provokes us, you know, in the right. bit that says for you that 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 feed is 
pretty provocative stuff. I get a lot of um, bell ends there that sort of trigger me <laughs> if I look at that particular feed. Um, oh, another thing actually, actually to say is that um, today is a good day because we hit one million downloads for our podcast. The I Tool, saw. The Congratulations, man. That's amazing. Congratulations. Can't believe it. It's again something just Gemma and I do out of our bedrooms, out of our home office, and um, we're so chuffed with it. Well, it's an awesome podcast. I love listening to it because for me, it's like political therapy because you can mm. often feel a little bit like, is it just me? Am I, am I, am I the only fucking sane person? Am I losing my mind here? And then you listen to that. It's like, oh no, it's not just me. Right. Cool. I feel so much better now. Yeah. It's like, it's like a relief, yeah. you know, it's a way to like, You know, you've got, you've got things like the rest is politics for the real, the real insight. You've got news agents for the analysis and you've got us for a bit of that and just, it's like chatting with your mates. Yeah. Like it's that sort of chat and it's sort of, yeah, make you feel sane and you're not alone. And also to have a bit of a laugh because the state of the country, I mean, you have to sort of laugh at it. Otherwise you could cry. Oh, 100%, man. Um, and that actually segues perfectly into my first question that I wanted to ask you today. Um, it's quite a biggie, but I'm hoping that it's going to be a launching pad for the rest of the conversation. Mm. Um, and it's this. So if, if you were to give a synopsis of where we are at in 2023 in this independent, noble, prosperous, free nation that we find ourselves in, to someone who didn't know anything at all about our political or social situation, how would you describe it? What would you tell them about where we're at in Britain in 2023? Gosh, broken. We are in the position now where I think we have just isolated ourselves so much. We have made a laughingstock of ourselves as a result of the government and its very sympathetic press, we are more divided than we've ever been. As a result of 13 years of consecutive governments and austerity, we are poorer than we've ever been. And I just can't see at the moment, I don't know how we get better. That's that's the real sad state of affairs, because even if you look at the opposition, which, by the way, I will lend my I will lend my vote to them because I'm desperate to get the toys out. But I think because of the dominance of media in this in this com- in this country, I think the two parties that we've got in this two-party state means they are so close to each other now that if we really want change, and God, we are desperate for it now because of those 13 years, I feel like we're not going to get a great deal of it. So it feels like we're in a bit of a sorry state of affairs, a bit of a pickle, don't you think, James? 100% dude, yeah, beautifully put. But, you know, let me just tell you, Marina, you don't have to be polite or diplomatic on my show, okay? <laughs> you can I'm tell us up. what you really think. Oh, it's fine. Okay, I can also say, I think the people in charge, I have never known a more vile bunch of people. And I don't really hate people, but I hate this bunch of Tory governments. And I hate the enablers. I do. I hate the people that have got them into this position and peddle their bullshit. Oh, in fact, just to, I just did draw on something that um, I did tweet about quite a lot yesterday because Adam Bienkoff, who is the political uh, editor at Byline Times, he wrote this brilliant article about you know, Johnson and sort of the rise and fall. And did you know that uh, back in, I think it was, ages, it was ages ago, but Johnson wrote an article where he talked about how to be successful in politics. And one of the things he talked about, he actually said, to be successful, you have to surround yourself with um stooges who are disciplined and deluded mm. right people and, and they and they so want to believe in their relationship with the with the with the leader that they will basically shut their shut their shut their eyes to the to the crap to the nonsense right. to the lies and could you could you i mean he has he ever been more candid has he ever been more accurate or bang on the money <laughs> that is exactly what he did yep. with his government because he, yep. he didn't hire for talent did he james he, he hired people sick of fancy were, yeah complete sick of loyal like blindly loyal who saw him as their meal ticket who you know who were able to ride on his coattails and that's exactly what he did and when i go through my twitter feed now god you the dross you know people like niall gardner for example or lord <laughs> Rodus, like all these people it's like guys you are the stooges you yep. are the disciplined deluded stooges and you can't even see it 100 <laughs> percent. and i'm sure you've seen the whatsapp messages as well right I have, I haven't. No. Oh, dude, you've got to be. Come out. I feel like I honestly, I feel like I stopped going on Twitter for like ten minutes, and something else happens. Dude, you've got to see these things. It's exactly what you're talking about. The sycophancy is fucking right, hilarious. Okay. You've got like Cummings calling him dude and big boss, and you know, yeah. um, the Dorries is on there saying, how, "How I love it, how cheeky you get when you've had a drink and all this oh, sort of stuff." Oh god, it's fucking. You're like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Oh, it's terrible. Dorries as well. By the way, you've got a feel for Dorries, haven't you? She got shafted. She got absolutely shot. All of that sucking up, all of that literally 
you know, being wheeled out to defend the indefensible and talking shit and flicking her hair in that defiant <laughs> manner that she would do. All for what, Doris? Uh, Let's stand down for Mid Bedfordshire. And on top of that, she has been culled from his list of honours. Beautiful justice. That's what you get, man. That's karma. Mm. That's karma. I like- know about bloody time. Karma's been like, what? Has she been on retirement or what? <laughs> Well, she's certainly slacking. She's certainly slacking. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am, I am hopeful that that Karma is going to deliver a beautiful, fucking brutal blow to every single member of this government at some point. I'm still waiting for it, though. You know. I hope so. But then you see, like, so Nicola Sturgeon, she got arrested, obviously, and then she's been released. She has been released uh, pending further investigation. But I just I want to see some arrests. Yes. Starting with Michelle Moan, like, where, arrest her, please. I just, this is what I need to see. This, this is the justice that I think so many of us are desperate for. Because at the moment, again, that VIP bloody lane and the billions of taxpayers' money, like, not a single head has been made to roll as a result. And that is unforgivable. Well, I think the point you make is a serious one because they are literal criminals, these people. I mean, they are all guilty of being an accessory to a criminal system that is killing people. Mm-hmm. People are starving mm-hmm. on the streets. You know, this, I know we're venting here, but I mean, you know, what, when you said there should be arrests, and I know you mean that, and I totally agree with you, you know, these are criminals. And these are crimes against society and crimes against democracy as well. And these guys are mincing around in their private jets and their yachts and rubbing shoulders with oligarchs and, you know, people who've got their billions stuffed away in tax havens who don't pay tax whilst the rest of us are having to choose between heating and eating. It's fucking brutal yeah. and it is a crime. And you're exactly right. And I 100% agree James, with you. When you say James, James, no, 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 no. Hang on. That's for, that's for the little people. The breaking of laws, the illegal stuff, that's for the little people. The people in government, they're never found to be doing illegal things. They are found to be doing unlawful okay, things. Okay, right. Do you see the difference there? Got it. It's very got clever. It. It's done on purpose because if you or I commit a massive fraud or you do something like that, it's found to be illegal. But if you do it in positions of power, like, for example, you know, some of the VIP name stuff, it was found in the High Court to be unlawful. And the reason it's unlawful and not illegal is because for it to be illegal, Parliament has to pass a law mm. to make it illegal. And do you think they're going to do that? Do you think they're going to pass the law to make the stuff they do illegal? No. The whole thing is rigged. Oh, for sure. No, no, it totally is. But how do we get to this point? Because we don't live in a literal dictatorship yet. You know, people did vote for this shit. Mm. And, you know, these people in this government... Mm. If you can call them that, you know, they're, they're not representative of anybody I've ever met in life. And I, you know, I've been around a while. I know people from all sides of the uh, social and political spectrum. And I mm. don't know who these fuckers represent. Mm. So why do people vote for this? And why do we keep putting ourselves in the fucking flames? Um, a few things. I think, again, the fact that a massive chunk of our press is is basically dominated by you know, the conservatives or in the pockets of the conservatives or vice right. versa. Yeah. And even, you know, the the lefty BBC with its giant director general and all the rest of it, all the big sort of right wing or conservatives in charge. I, I think that the message, especially for things like Brexit, we never got the real um, story around Brexit. Right. And also the other thing is the lying that's allowed in politics. So given the lies that were spouted by sort of the the sorry the leave side and also spouted continuously to this day every single day by the conservative party the 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 reason that happens is because we have a completely unpoliced wild west when mm. it comes to our politics yeah. and lying is is not just without consequence it's actually rewarded yes. because People believe the lies, like we saw with Brexit, like we saw with Oven Ready Deal, or no, all the other lies that they, they they say. And there is absolutely no consequence. I think we've got to a really bad point now, where um, Suella Braverman last week she stood up in the House of Commons and she said that um, approvals for the first round of uh, migrants, you know, the processing, that the number had gone down by seventeen thousand. This is complete. Poor shit. Yvette Cooper stood up, corrected her. The number has actually gone up. The Speaker of the House, the Deputy Speaker, actually invited her to correct correct herself and correct the record. And Suella Bravman shook her head and refused. Mental. And that's where we are now. So it doesn't matter. Mental. Because you can lie. I mean, you can lie outside of Parliament freely, which they do. You can put a big lie on a bus. But you can also lie in Parliament now. And because of the flaccid, flaccidness, flaccidity, you know, whatever the word is, um, of, of the speakers and the fact that our political system is completely exposed and vulnerable when it comes to bad actors, um, they can just do anything they want now. 
Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? This era that we're living in now, whereby the lying is so overt and out there that we're almost desensitized to it now. It's almost like mm-hmm. it's just become normal and perfectly acceptable, you know? Yeah, it's, tr- it's, it's Trumpian. So it's like even what mm, Johnson's doing yeah. now, where he's trying to discredit the Privileges Committee, it's Trumpian. It's like Trump when he's trying to discredit the vote. And also, just Jesus, the 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 the, the lies that are being peddled out by once respectable sort of papers as well, or people who who consider themselves to be respectable journalists, saying that it was it's a witch hunt, blaming the blob, blaming the globalists, just blame the globalists. Like it's just so <laughs> bloody lazy. And also, I, I'm sorry, the, the the fundamentals are that privilege is. That privileges committee did not oust Johnson. The only person that ousted Johnson was Johnson because that privileges committee, yes, they found him guilty to have misled Parliament and recommended a suspension. It was only a recommendation. They can't force him out. That recommendation then had to go to Parliament for Parliament to vote on. Parliament has a Tory majority. So, So Johnson could have faced that and he could have actually come out unscathed. Right. But he didn't. And even if Parliament had gone, do you know what? Yeah, he is. We agree. They vote that they are going to Im- um, implement the recommendation. That would have triggered uh, a recall in his constituency of Uxbridge and South Ryslip. And so it would have been down to his constituents to oust him. Right. He literally had like two more steps before he was ousted. And he didn't because he's such a big old coward. He didn't even choose to face those. He's just given it the whole, I was forced out. Blame the blob, blame the witch hunt. Absolute bloody nonsense. I don't think Johnson cares or ever cared really about the politics of being a prime minister. I think he just wanted to have that on his CV. I think he wanted to have the picture on the wall. And I, I don't think he actually has any fervent, passionate ideology. I think he's happy with whatever the fuck just to get the gig, you know, and then move on to the next. And mm. you mentioned Trumpisms. And I think that is exactly where all this started. You know, the era of the strong man, this post-truth era that we live in now where mm. words can mean whatever you decide they mean. And you got these posturing rich motherfuckers who are just swinging and out of politics they have their mm-hmm. moment in the sun they got it on the cv on the portfolio and then they're out the door again because they don't really care because none of it affects them um that's the vibe i get with it with this lot I and mean, it's the same with, with sunak i mean the guy's worth so much fucking money he clearly ain't doing this for the money so why is he doing it mm-hmm. i think it's just for the ego of it all you know no pun intended but it's almost like a trump card you know it's like politics is a little playground for the super rich to mess about with for a bit I think it's more that I think it's more. I don't know. So for Johnson, I think it is. Yeah, it's a it's a power for power's sake. Right. I also think the longer you're in office, the more sway you've got once you leave it to earn shed loads of of money. Right. And I don't think he's done. By the way, I think from what we're sort of learning here is he's going to use this opportunity now to basically do as much damage as he can to Sunak. Right. And even the Conservative Party, you know, other cons- respectable Conservatives like Tobias Elwood are saying as much. And then I think he is going to, once the Tories lose the next election, start to position himself as the comeback kid. Right. And the person that can get them, you know, back into power again. I think that's going to be his um his ploy. As for Rishi Sunak, again, so, so the reason these people get into politics, and again, I came to this so late. I was stupid and naive enough to think that people got into politics because they genuinely wanted to change things for the better, or in their minds at least for the better. Yeah. But they don't. It's nothing to do with that. It's to do with certainly with this crop, it's to do with getting into power so they can raid the public purse and they can install sort of people, their friends, their cronies in positions so they can all benefit each other. They can shape policy to benefit themselves and their ilk. And that explains to you why, for example, the energy bosses who we know, you know, line the coffers of the Tory party are absolutely creaming it when it comes to these windfall profits. And and the windfall tax is just not even worth like the paper it's written on, there are so many loopholes that um, basically if you reinvest, if the energy companies reinvest, they don't have to pay that windfall tax. Well, that's funny. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to reinvest. And all that means is more drilling. Wonderful. Yeah. How convenient. I mean, would you describe this as a kleptocracy? Yeah, completely. Right. 
or a, is it a cacistocracy? Full <laughs> of just like crap people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that probably sums it up better. But I mean, I, I don't want to keep like harping on about this, but you know, th- there is a genuine criminal element to all of this, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the characters that this government is rubbing shoulders with and opening doors for and lining the pockets of, you know, some super shady characters, man, from, you know, yeah. Uzbekistan and, the, you know, the Russia and the Middle East. And mm-hmm. you look, the, the sort of dudes that are buying up properties in London and stuff like that to, to stuff the money from their public person to, mm-hmm. And much of these billions are coming from illicit means. Yeah, even, so you know? just last week, sorry, James, not just last week, just have to mention an Egyptian, uh, I think he was linked to the, or, or a dictatorship out there. He actually gave the Tories just last, last week their biggest donation of five million pounds. Fucking hell. As if he's like some philanthropist that doesn't want something back. And then you learn right. later, yeah. you learn later that he's hosted dinner parties in his Belgravia house where he's invited people like Rishi Sunak and Kwasi Kwarteng and right. as if they aren't having chats about stuff. You know, what if Kwasi Kwarteng was having a chat there to him about like, you know, doing what he did pre-mini budget? It's so yes. wrong. It's so scandalous yes. in any other walk of life wouldn't be allowed to happen. Yeah, and you're, you're bang on because those environments are where the conversations happen as well. They don't just happen out there in the open under the eye of scrutiny in Houses of Parliament. They do happen at these benefit gigs and these, you know, these dinner parties and mm-hmm. off the record. It's a community. It's a community that is like a million miles higher above where the rest of us yeah. live and operate. And it operates for its own self-perpetuation. Exactly, which is what, and it, and it operates within WhatsApp. Yeah. Government WhatsApp yeah. that the government doesn't want to hand over now. And do you remember as well when um do you remember that Lord Bethel, James Bethel, like he lost his phone, then it was then it was broken, then he uh, gave it to a family member, like he wouldn't hand over his phone because uh, he was embroiled in the whole PPE scandal because right. he yeah. was the health minister that oversaw lots of the awarding of contracts. One like we're talking multi million pounds, and um yeah he he's he was the same. He didn't want to hand over his phone because they do all of this stuff like you say. Not thinking that you know we shouldn't have be privy to it when we absolutely should. This is our money, and these are government comms. Yeah. People seem to forget, I think, because it's been bad for so long now. We forget that there is supposed to be certain standards and values to the conduct of politics, yeah. you know, which was just, they're just long gone. I think like in the pandemic and the Trump era, I think that it just, it just took a bullet in the ass, that, that whole system of doing things. Now it's, you can say what you like. You can be like, yeah. it's, it's the macho man thing. You can lie openly and it's all just a laugh. It's not a problem. It's about making loads of money mm-hmm. for the few. It's like they don't even have to cover it up anymore. They don't even give a shit no. really because there's no, no. Recompense. No, it's this is and this is Johnson's legacy, and we saw it then continue with the trust, with the, the bullshit that she would talk in the Commons, and it goes it goes on with, with Sunak. Although Sunak and Trust couldn't at least they couldn't deliver it with such a plum. Like you listen to Sunak now, Jesus Christ, he's like a busted Woody doll. Like <laughs> he just says the same shit over and over again on repeat, yeah. and he sounds so false and he uh, he's got absolutely zero charisma. I don't even know if he's human sometimes the way he talks. <laughs> but like but like you said the, the PMQs now as well. Like I, if you if you hear some of the discussions that go on in parliament it's infantile. Oh yeah. Like it, it's not so a question is asked and the opposition bench will just respond with a dig. Yeah. That's not even in response to the other question. It'll yeah. just be like something to do with Corbyn yeah. or it's something to do with, oh, well, you want to, uh, something to do Jimmy Savile. Like it, it's become so base, the level yes. of discourse in this country. And that has gone yes. through right through to the electorate. In fact, I was listening to LBC this morning. Um, listening to Nick Ferrari's show because it's good to keep an eye on what these people <laughs> talk about. And, um, keep an ear even and some guy called in and he was saying yeah he wasn't happy with the tories but he was never no he was never gonna vote for them and ferrari said why is that he said oh because they're gonna make a dog's dinner they'll make a dog's dinner of the country and ferrari fair enough actually said well do you not think the country is already a bit of a dog's dinner he said yes but starmer will make it worse because he doesn't even know what a woman is what what exactly james what what the f Sorry, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. So do you not remember Starmer had that interview with Nick Ferrari on his LBC show where he was asked to define what a woman was because of the whole trans debate? Mm. And Keir Starmer was probably nervous around the topic, didn't, was scared of saying the wrong thing, so he ended up sort of dancing around it. Right. It sounded like he was unable to answer the question, right. and that has stuck with him because it then was like it just snowballed. It was covered in the mass media, right. and now the thing is, Starmer he can't rule the country. He doesn't even know what a woman is. Oh 
God, yeah. No, I see what you're saying, man. It's depressing, isn't it? That that's the level. That's yeah. where we're at in 2023. And that's what happens when you've got the majority of the press, the press that is the, with the really loud voices, the sensationalist press, and, the, and they know it's effective. You see these headlines, the Daily Mail, like it's, it, it lands messages. Yes. And see, when you've got that against the opposition, it's tough. I mean, look at what Starmer done. He had a donkey sanctuary, and they tried to make that into a scandal. Yeah. Can you imagine if Starmer had done a action of the shagging and the scandal oh, yeah. and the corruption like yep. can you imagine yeah the game over yeah dead in the water well look at corbyn yeah i mean you've got a lifelong anti-war campaigner there labeled as a fucking racist you know i, know, I, I mean know. whether you agree with the guy's politics or not you know the guy's clearly not an anti-semite you know and neither are most of the people that are getting tarnished with that horrible label lately you know they seem to be like mm. we're living in an era now where somebody can be a racist or an anti-semite because someone says they are and that's good enough well it's not good enough you know mm. it's like the the idea of truth and tangible fact is, is irrelevant these days you know but these are such loaded terms that as soon as someone says that, it's game over for you. There's just no going back. Yeah, no, and that still that still reverberates. That people still think it. There is still, you know, which is Keir Starmer to hit in his defence. He is doing a good job to literally stamp out anything as soon as there is any whiff of anti-Semitism or sort of just dodginess. Really, he has been really quick to um, straight away. Um, get that person out of the party. Right. We saw it last week, I think, with Geraint Davies, the, the Labour MP, who I always thought was pretty decent. Like, we used to DM every now and then. And then he had to step down for allegedly bringing hookers into the Houses of Parliament, I think, like, to the bars. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I'm not shocked because I thought that was quite standard fear. <laughs> it's like a frat house. It's like a frat house in there, basically. That's my understanding. Right. Well, I've been in there once. Have you been in there at all? Yeah, I went to the House of Lords recently. I, I, I met with, you know, Baroness Jenny Jones, who's an absolute yes, legend. Yes, awesome, yeah. Yeah, she went for lunch with her. She's lovely. Oh, wicked, man. Yeah, she's cool. I was in the House of Lords, funny enough, uh, as well, in September as part of a talk on uh, Brexit in the music industry. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was bizarre being in there. You know what I mean? You mentioned frat house. To me, it felt like a kind of, felt like going back to school a little bit. It was also old fashioned and weird. And mm. you did get the impression that they like, could be very much like a boys club or a frat house, you know, where they're yeah, 100%. locked in a certain period in time where you can just do what the fuck you like and none of it matters and anymore. And you can anymore. do what the F you like, James. Just got to bear in mind as well. So Boris Johnson, yes, he has stood down now, but he was still an MP, right? He was still taking that ATK plus salary and he was off doing gigs in Vegas. Yeah taking millions of pounds doing speaking gigs and also if you're going to vegas and you're listening to johnson you are not doing vegas right for a start <laughs> uh, but he's taking millions of pounds still taking his salary despite the fact he missed 187 votes in the Commons. <sighs> that's fucked up man how's that allowed well it just infuriates me though you know i mean i try to distance myself from it now on a day by day because it's just fucking relentless and it just mm. makes me so fucking frustrated and angry you know what i mean so how do you how do you deal with this how do you navigate being immersed in this as intensely as you are i mean you must feel like you're losing your mind sometimes yeah basically anger is my feel <laughs> anger. love it i just i just can't stand the un, the it's just so unjust yeah i think it's and it's the scale of it you expect a few bell ends you expect a little bit of corruption you expect a little bit of rule breaking but this is this is just on an industrial scale it is every day and it is getting worse and we need to do something about it 100 percent. and that is the clip i'm going to use for the promo <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've mentioned Kia a few times now, so let's switch gears and let's talk about the wonderful opposition that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on the Labour Party and their current incarnation. I'm not going to say what I think. We'll just see where this goes. <laughs> so Labour, what do you think? Okay. I feel like I'm going to caveat this by saying in the next election, I will be voting for Labour. And the reason I'm doing that is because in my constituency, the best hope of making sure a Tory doesn't get in, although it is a Labour constituency anyway, the best hope is to vote Labour. So I would encourage anyone, if you want to get the Tories out, vote tactically. And then close to the time, there will be websites and stuff telling you who to vote for to DC the Tory. So I will be voting Labour. That said, I'm completely disillusioned with them and I am disappointed with them. But with some of the things they're doing, I understand the stance they're taking. So the Brexit stance, which pisses me off, which pisses loads of people off, which makes us feel politically homeless. Um, I understand it. 
I understand why they don't want to make the next election about basically another de facto Brexit referendum. Because if they talk, if there's any talk whatsoever about re- even just realignment with the, with the EU, the Tories and the right wing press will spin it as he wants to reverse the will of the people, go against the will of the people. And you can see that. The, the reason you can see that is because they're doing it now. So think about how final Keir Starmer has been when he's talking about Brexit. And Rachel Reeves, just the other day, she said the future of the of the UK is outside of the EU. You can't get language that is more final. And yet the Tories, the right wing press will still tell you that they want to bring us back into Europe. So that's why they're having to do that. Right. Right? So I understand that as much as I hate hearing it. What I don't like, though, at the moment is I understand Labour wants to be a party of government. But right now, right now, they are an opposition party. And when you're in opposition, you have to oppose stuff. And when you've got the Tories in power, you have to oppose some of the shitty bills, authoritarian, democracy undermining bills that they are passing. The public order bill, for example. Yep. Like that all very already, sorry, very authoritarian public order bill, the one that saw people arrested for just thinking about protesting. Yeah. Right. If you thought that was bad, that's actually getting worse. And I just want to give you a little update on on that, because um, what the government is doing, so they wanted to change the wording of serious disruption within the public order bill to mean anything more than minor, anything more than minor. Right. Um, and they they couldn't do it, it was thrown out. Part, the, the Lords threw this out. And yet the government are currently trying to use a ministerial degree, something that has never been done before, to overturn the vote of the Lords to make this change. And Baroness Jenny Jones, the Green Party peer I just mentioned, who's an absolute bloody ledge, she tabled a fatal motion to try and kill this dead on. And tomorrow, so that the 13th of June, we get the results of, um, of, that, of that fatal motion. And what she needs here, she needs the Labour Lords to back her in this. And for some reason, some unknown reason, at the time of recall, they weren't backing her. Like Labour needs to oppose this stuff. I don't under, I don't like Keir Starmer said about the public order bill, you know, will you repeal it when you get into power? And he says something about letting it bed in. What? No, no. No, no you, don't, you don't, don't let, let fascism bed in. bed in. Yeah, like and there's so many other bits and pieces, like, you know, we want to hear that you're gonna chuck out things like, I don't know, the the illegal migration bill that breaks international law and costs will cost us like six billion pounds over two years for what? We need to hear that you don't like the Rwanda plan. Mm. We need to hear that you're gonna do you know, there are so many things we need you to repeal. Yeah. Or just tell us, guys, this is awful, we're gonna try and fix it. Or do you know what I think a real vote winner would be? Something along the lines of we will launch a full investigation into um the fraud behind basically COVID, the the, the VIP lane, the corruption. Because I think so many people uh, that they ju- that that we need justice. We need the funds to be recovered, and we need those people to face justice. Because otherwise, it's just like, what is the point? And it feels so wrong that anyone else, like a benefit of benefit person, person committing benefit fraud, can be jailed for what swindling yes. the system of a few grand. And yet, you can yeah. swindle, swindle the system in Michelle Moan's case, allegedly for hundreds of millions of pounds and go and buy a yacht and nothing happens. So anyway, I I understand why logistically that's probably really difficult to do, but I think there are certain things that people want to hear, like proportional representation. Yeah. Keir Starmer, my word. Like Keir Starmer, back in the day when, you know, he still give pledges and make pledges that we quite like the sound of and he didn't, you know, he stood by them. He promised proportional representation and he he understood and he said out loud that in our current first past the post system, you know, people feel their vote their people feel their vote is wasted, which it is. I, I wouldn't vote Labour if I had a choice right now, but I'm going to because I have to. Yeah. Yeah, and so many people feel the same way. I'd probably vote Green. Same. Or maybe yeah. Lib Dems. I'm not sure. We'll look have a look at their manifesto closer to the time. Um and he's ditched that. He's ditched that now. And that to me is if you are pro-democracy, you you need to be pro-proportional representation because yes. that means everyone's vote matters. And the Conservatives are shitting their pants about this as well. Lord Cruddus, who is just uh, embarrassing, to be honest, he's the one that allegedly paid for his uh, peerage. Um, he's another one of these deluded and uh, disciplined um, stooges of Johnson, desperate to get him back. Lord Cruddus actually stood up at that Nazi event, you know, the National Conservatism, whatever it is, <laughs> event. And he said, 
if Labour get in, they're going to deliver a proportional representation. And that means the Tories will never get in, will never see a Tory majority again, something like that. And if the hilarity behind it is proportional representation is democratic, it means votes match seats. So if you're saying out loud that proportional representation won't deliver Tory governments, then you know that's because the majority of the electorate, like voters, do not want a conservative government. And I thought you guys were all about the will of the people. Exactly. So what are we talking about here? <laughs> yes, bananas. Absolutely bananas. Oh, man, that was a beautiful rant. Thank you for that, man. I needed that. And just like I said about your, your amazing podcast, The Troll, at the start of the, our chat here, um, I, you know, listening to you, man, it's like political therapy. You know what I mean? I feel like recharged, refreshed. I feel oh, like good. there's some sanity in the world. I've got a bit of fire in my belly. I'm ready to start my week again. <laughs> but just, not just on that, James, we love making it because I don't know about you. I don't know what your friends are like, but my friends don't talk about politics and they don't care for it. And so, so if you don't, if you feel the way we feel, but your friends, your family aren't interested in it, it can feel quite lonely and like isolating at times. So us making the podcast, people listening to it does feel like you said, like collective sort of therapy. Oh, definitely, man. You know, the podcast is brilliant, dude. And I'll be plugging the podcast at the end of this episode and I'll be linking it into the episode description as well. So people can go directly and check out the awesome, the troll podcast with Marina Perkis and Gemma Forte. You will not regret it. And I totally echo everything you've said about the Labour Party as well so far, because I do understand, you know, the difficult corner that they're forced into. Mm. But I do share also uh, a deep and intense sense of disillusionment and disappointment in that party. The party that I've been a member of my entire life. I've now been a member of the Greens for the past few years. As a result of all of the things you've mentioned, you know, the Blairite backstabbing and infighting, you know, the watering down of any traditional or effective Labour principle, yeah. the pandering to big business and the media, but mostly because of how fucking useless they've been to pose any kind of effective opposition to the absolute reckless evil behemoth that is the Tory party and, and the unrestrained carnage that they've been wreaking on this country for the past 13 years. Yeah. It's like, it's so bad now. And has been for a long time that it's like, it's such, it's such a shame. It's like, well, that's what we've got. You're our guys. Yeah. This, this is the opposition. Well, then we're fucked. Mm -hmm. And part of me thinks that Labour know that the next election is pretty much a given, you know, that things have been so bad now and that the hatred for the Tories is so universal that I think they know that the yeah. next election is going to be a Labour landslide and that it's already in the bag. But I think that even if that's the case, there is going to be a bad taste left in a lot of people's mouths for a long time to come with that party. But how taken for granted do you feel as well? We just say that all the yeah. people that basically want to rejoin the EU, and is the, what do the polls tell us, tell us now? It's a massive chunk of people now that want to rejoin the EU. And we're just like politically homeless. We're just ignored. We don't count. Yep. Well, there's an optimist in me that thinks that maybe, you know, once we oust the current cartel and we get a new Labour government in, you know, despite <laughs> the aforementioned shortcomings, maybe it could be the start of a new chapter maybe mm. it's the start of a mm. slow frustrating messy complicated full of sacrifice mm. kind of rebuild and a restart in the right direction the problem yeah. is is that you know there's still a the enemies the bad guys still have a majority influence over parliament and of course the media so the, the those problems why, still why, exist sorry just to add which is why i think a, co a coalition government is the best case scenario right because i think if we have a coalition government they could help with if it's the limb dems and greens if it's the Lib Dems and Greens, for example, they could help keep Labour honest. And, the, and that yes. could at least be the sort of, it gets Labour out of um, having broken promises because it's the, it, you. You know, they are seen to have to be negotiating with their coalition partners. And that's how we can get some of these good policies in. But just also what you said about the Tories. And, you know, I, I do not think this is an open shut case. We've got what, potentially another 16, 17 months until the mm, general yeah. election. I, yeah. I don't doubt that the Tories could swing it still. Somehow, a lot could happen. Mm, I fear you might be right, man. Well, I, I consider myself a pessimist, funny enough. And someone said to me the other day that a pessimist is essentially an optimist that has been burned too many times. <laughs> and that is definitely the case with me because I never thought we were going to vote for Brexit. I never thought Trump was going to get in. I never thought Boris was never going to get in. I didn't think we were that fucking stupid. Mm. But time and time mm. again, <laughs> in successive order, it's just bam, bam, bam. And yeah. it's like we're voting for this shit and supporting it and finding ways to justify it. So I've become a pessimist, but I am holding out hope for this one because it is so bad. It is so desperate. It's so bleak, so corrupt, so wrong, so evil, and so fucking destructive that it cannot get any worse. And we cannot be 
so stupid and so naive that we're going to vote for these guys again.、Oh, but but you might be right, man. You might be right. I shudder to think it, but you might be right. It's the hope that kills you, James. <laughs> it does. It really does. Well, speaking of hope,、mm. I wanted to ask you. You said earlier that anger is your fuel. But what about hope? You must have hope, you know, for a better future. You must have hope that the, the fight is is winnable. You must have hope for、um, mm. there being a point to all this and that justice will prevail. So, what keeps you hopeful? So, I don't always feel hope, hopeful. And in fact, I chat to you. Do you know Femi? No. Femi Oluwani. He's brilliant. You need to follow him. He's incredible.、Okay. He's a force for good. He is a. He was massively anti Brexit, but he sort of dispels lots of myths. He's got a huge following. He's he's one of the good guys. One of the good guys. Okay. And we message every now and then, and we, you know we all sort of go through periods of despair, like oh Jesus, like what's happening here? And he did. The, he told me this line, and it was actually a Martin Luther King line. He he said, look. We will get there. And the the quote by、uh, Martin Luther King was, "The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice."、Mm. And if you if you look at history, we do have this. We have these. Yeah. We we tend to civilization tends to go from really bloody into the shit, and then we come out of it again, and then we、right. go back into it again. And it just feels like it's inevitable that we are in our Um, huge downturn right now, and right. we are probably still not at the bottom yet. And I don't. I've never seen.、Uh, I could. I could never have predicted our government to be so broken. I could never have predicted the damage that one party could do、um, so quickly. Certainly in the last few years. So I just think we're having to sort of crash and burn, and then we will rise from the ashes like a phoenix.、Right. Hopefully, I don't know if Starmer is going to be the one to help us、um, lift that phoenix, but、um, we'll get there. Love it. Love it. And what does a better future look like to you? So first and foremost, I think to get that you have to do something with the press in this country because I think the gutter press is responsible for so much. We're just poisoning the political discourse in this country and the stoking of the culture wars, which creates so much hate and animosity between groups that it's just it's just made us a, a bit sort of a bit of a nasty. Feels like a nasty country sometimes. Yeah, it does.、So、I think some sort of press regulation. I, did, I think I read that the Spectator and the Telegraph are going bust. Good. Did I dream that or did I read that? Good fucking riddance.、Um, we just need them all to just bugger off, or you know, we need Murdoch to to, to pop his clogs.、Um, <laughs> we just need them all to just. Bugger off! Because they are like I think they were described as a cancer once upon a time. They are a cancer. They need to go. And then into the into our politics, I think forget who's at the helm. I think the, the policies that will really shift things are we need to tackle inequality in this country, right? Because Um, you know, welfare is not about just the welfare of the people right at the bottom rung of the ladder. Welfare, when you hear about welfare, it's about all of our welfare. Because if if people get really poor. And、people get really desperate, and really desperate people make you know it, it's a worry for everyone in society, not the people just at the bottom. So I think we need to have a real look at our welfare system. I think we need to have a real look at、um, pay, public sector pay, for example. I think no one should be in full time work and still having to claim universal credit.、Um, The, the fixing of the NHS for you to address that, and also just it, it's to me it's really simple. I know there's all this middle management chat, and there's loads of waste, and that all needs to be targeted. But for me, the most important thing, short term, recruit more doctors, recruit more more nurses, and retain them. That that's going to solve a lot of, a lot of the problems.、Um, I think we need a more progressive tax. System, by the way, and、uh, I look. I don't like paying taxes. No one does, but I will pay higher taxes if I know my taxes are going into public services like schools, like hospitals, whatever, like building houses for people, so that you know the next generation of people can actually afford to get on the housing ladder. Um, and I've got no problem with the wealth tax. Absolutely, tax the shit out of those bastards. Like, there's a reason why. And I'm talking. I'm not talking about you know Brenda, who's on like. Sixty plus, sixty k. I'm talking about if you earn two fifty, five hundred, five ten, make it progressive. Go for it, because you know we saw it with the published tax returns of、uh, Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak, and this is you know the effective rate of tax that the two of them pay on very different sums that they earn shows you how unjust our taxation system in this country. That you can have basically a nurse. Paying a higher effective tax rate than a billionaire tells you everything that's bloody wrong with this country. So I think if we fix that, if we scrap things like non-dom, if we stop things like the offshore, you know, squirreling away of money,、um, could bring in a lot of money for this country. If you look how much loss is lost in fraud, by the way, in this country, and offshoring and tax avoidance and tax evasion, 
it is a lot. It, we'd give us like gold stellar public services if we managed to clamp down on that. But um, there's a reason the Tories don't want to do that. So basically, I'm listening. Oh, and the great, all those green stuff, uh, actual credible green plan as well. Insulate our homes. Right? Insulate Britain. They are onto something because we have got the shittiest houses in the whole of Europe when it comes to like um, uh, efficiency. We leak, we leak heat through our, our dull houses. They look like dull houses, by the way, in comparison to other um, European countries. We leak heat through them, which is both inefficient from an energy perspective, but massively like terrible in terms of how much we spend on our bills. And then look at our bills. Oh, my. We've got high, one of the highest energy bills in, in the on the planet. So you, you've got a question there about... Uh, nationalising energy, which I know is going to cost shitloads of money. And I know there's absolutely nothing in the coffers at the moment. So possibly a plan for the long term. But water, I think maybe look at nationalising water now. That might be something. I, I don't know. We just need to make it so we take the money out of the corporations or take the power away from the corporations, put it back it back to the people, because there is no way a privatised company are going to do anything to try and benefit us when they have got shareholders as the priority of people to answer to and make money for. There we go. I feel like I've just reeled off a load of stuff, but I think all of that stuff would make things better. Oh, hang on, one more. And mental health services. I think we massively need to improve that. And youth services <laughs> and education. And then because if you fix those things now, you don't get all of the problems in the long term that they cause if you neglect them right now. But we've got such short-sighted, inward, selfish governments who don't who don't think like that and they they know that if they are struck by any of the problems in education they go private or any of the problems in healthcare they go private which is why they don't care to fix them so that is what i would do wow dude stand an ovation man <laughs> that was my favorite rant of the year by sorry Bath. i'm sorry james you thought you wind me up you watch me go <laughs> no man dude that was insane that was insane <laughs> off the cuff i just like I, I just sat back shut up and just let it wash over me thank oh, you for that man you. that was beautifully delivered and i agree with everything you say as well as well i think most people listening because it's just normal sensible good common sense stuff that benefits everybody you know you're not some flag waving raging socialist you know this is all above board very non-controversial stuff you want to make life better for the majority James, and not the one percent I, di- I didn't realize i was a lefty i just thought i wasn't a knob that was it <laughs> i didn't realize well you've certainly got a few enemies who will probably disagree with that but good because you know a man with no enemies is, is no man at all i think is the saying that i stole from a tv show the other night which i thought was pretty oh, apt. Very good. um yeah i like it so uh, i'm gonna have to let you go soon unfortunately because i could listen to you talk all day as i'm sure the listeners could my husband says exactly the opposite <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he does I get, yeah. a lot, I get a lot of people saying god imagine being married to her <laughs> well yeah he probably does deserve an award of some kind by now <laughs> so if people want to hear more uh, where can they find you? So I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Marina Perkis. So uh, Marina, M-A-R-I-N-A, Perkis, P-U-R-K-I-S-S. And if you want a bit of this sort of level chat, sort of uh, in funny bits, but real insight and analysis, then have a listen to Gemma Forte and I uh, at The Troll, The Troll Podcast. And we have some very good listeners. James O'Brien listens, Gary Lineker listens, Carol Waterman listens. Good stuff. But it will, it will make you feel good, hopefully, at the end of it as well. Well, that's not a bad listenership right there. And a million other people as well, as you just mentioned, yeah. you know, uh, also tune in. So, and it hasn't been going that long, right? You haven't done 100 episodes yet. No, we're on episode 69. That's insane, dude. Mm-hmm, but there we go. You know, people people agree with this stuff. They want to hear it. It's the majority viewpoint, I genuinely believe. And the podcast is on every platform, yeah? Spotify, Apple. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. So that's the troll. Check it out. I will be putting links to your pages and the podcast in the description of this episode as well. Marina, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Like I said, I could have done another hour just sat (laughs) back listening to you ranting all day and giving me that therapeutic political charge that I need to start my week. Thank you so much for everything you do. You're an asset. We appreciate you. And please keep sticking it to them because God knows, you know, we need you more than ever. Oh, thank you, James. It's been a pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, Marina. Take care out there, man. Speak to you soon. Bye. Marina. Perkis, guys, put it together for her. How awesome was that? Dude, like I said it a few times, so that was literally just cathartic therapy for me. <laughs> just listen to someone. It's so refreshing to listen to someone just telling it like it is. Free from spin, free from agenda, free from bullshit. Just saying the things that all of us think. But in this kind of weird post-truth era that we now live in, we're all having to do this weird, delicate, linguistic, semantic thought dance all the time. And you start to think, 
do I really think that? Am I going crazy? I don't know what I think anymore. Is that too simple? Am I naive? Have I got it the wrong end of the stick? And when someone just comes along and just fucking says it like it is, it's so goddamn refreshing. And in this worryingly weird era of misinformation and disinformation and amplified by social media and the press, we need that more than ever. And all of us kind of have a duty, I think, to tune into that voice within us that knows what we think and knows that it's right and just says it like Marina Perkis. So I'm a fan and I hope she continues being Marina Perkis and sticking it to the man. I hope she never has to fucking fit within some kind of corporate straight jacket or anything like that. I don't get the impression that she's that kind. <laughs> um, and yeah, I hope that like she keeps doing her thing because it's a very valuable asset that she brings to the cause. As she mentioned, she is on Twitter. That's kind of like one of the main things you should definitely be following if you want to get her, you know, minute by minute rants and updates and opinions, which are all awesome, by the way. She's on Twitter at Marina Perkis. So it's Marina, spelled the usual way, P-U-R-K-I-S-S. Definitely give her a follow there. And also her insanely awesome podcast is called The Troll. And that is... You just get it wherever you get your podcast, man. They've also got a Twitter page at The Troll Podcast as well, where you can get the um, each episode coming out there. Definitely give that a listen. If you like what you hear today, then you should be listening to The Troll. It is a weekly shot in the arm of goodness and sanity and good reason and fire in your belly that will get you informed and fired up, ready to kick some asses. So rush over to your podcast platform of choice and type in The Troll, hunt it down and give it a follow, a subscribe, a like and a share and leave a comment and a review and all that good stuff. As I've said a thousand times on this podcast, it really helps us guys to continue to do what we do. And whilst you're there, if you haven't yet subscribed to this goddamn podcast go and do that as well james kennedy podcast available on all platforms give me a like a share a rating a review a comment or whatever the hell you got to do and i will love you forever as i said at the very start of this episode this will be the last episode now for at least a few weeks whilst i focus exclusively on finishing the book and getting the band um, gig ready But please do rest assured that season two of the James Kennedy podcast will be back really, really soon. Bigger and better than ever. I've got some insane guests already lined up and confirmed and booked in. (laughs) I can't wait. I I actually don't want to take the break. I'm just doing it because I have to, just because there's only so many hours in the day and I've got to finish this book. Okay, I hope you understand. But in the meantime, please do go back, like I said, and listen to the previous episodes. I don't think anybody has listened to all of them yet. And every episode deals with a different issue, with a different expert and a different set of knowledge that is going to help you in some way in your life so go and nibble on all those previous episodes and i'll be cooking up season two behind the scenes and we'll be back in an eye blink honestly it's going to fly by james kennedy and the underdogs are going to be on the stage within the next few weeks so if you haven't already please go to jameskennedystuff.com slash tribe and whack in your email address in your city and we'll be updating everybody as soon as we get some tour dates in which will not be long i promise you so do that. You will not get spammed. It's just so that we can see where there is demand for us and which cities and when then we'll be turning up and fucking doing it, man. So so whack it into jameskennedystuff.com slash tribe. And I can't wait to see you all really, really soon. In the meantime, take it easy. Check out Marina Perkis. Fight the power. Keep sticking it to the man. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I love you loads. And I'll see you really soon. Cheers, guys.